It's always good to be back after a little break, to be in the same room together and worshiping uh, Jesus. And uh, this morning, we get to continue our series on uh, the storyline, and we've been going, uh, making our way through the Old Testament. Now we're into the book of Jeremiah, and I want to read to you probably the most popular verse out of this uh, book, and it's Jeremiah 29, 11. For I know the plans I have for you, plans to prosper you, not to harm you, plans to give you hope and a future. And many of us have heard this verse probably many times, and it might have been inside a graduation card for some of y'all this past May, that God's in control. Maybe it's from a friend of us trying to encourage us because because we don't know what's going on with our future, or maybe we just see it walking through Hobby Lobby or scrolling through our social media as just reassuring words, right? When I was graduating from college, I thought, man, you know, I've made it. Things are great. I'm engaged to my uh, soon-to-be wife, Rachel, and sure, I'm going to get a a job, right? That's what every recent grad uh, thinks. Never mind that I was a history major. Never mind that I didn't get my teaching certificate, but I, you know, I'm full of hope. I'm ready. And then weeks go by, right? And more weeks and more weeks. And I'm still working the same part-time job that I was working in college. And I remember someone quoting this verse, which made sense to me at the time. But as things were slow to happen, I started thinking, well, maybe God doesn't have a plan for me. (laughs) Maybe I don't have much of a future as a history major. But good news, I did eventually get a job. And I'm sure some of you in this room can relate to that time of life when things are in doubt. And this morning we're going to see that this verse does apply to our lives, but maybe not in the ways that we think it does. And instead, we're going to see it um, differently than social media, but we're going to see it in context of how, the, how it was written to the Jewish people in Jeremiah and how it gave hope in a very, very dark time in their history. Plus, we're going to see how it informs our future. But first, if you're anything like me, you might be asking, we're in Jeremiah, and where is that, and what's going on right now in in the Bible? And so I'm a visual learner, history major, as you just learned, and uh, so we have a little video that kind of recaps where we are. So if you can press play, Troy. So remember, uh, Moses just led the people out of Egypt. They get to the Ten Commandments, and they're wandering around the wilderness, waiting. No video? Video. <laughs> okay, well, we'll, no, there's no audio to the video. I'm, nope. Bummer. Okay, we'll just move on. Um, so, we we uh, so Moses leads the people of Egypt. They get out. They get the Ten Commandments. Remember, and they're wandering around the wilderness. They get to the Promised Land, and Joshua leads them in into the Promised Land. They defeat the Canaanites at the Battle of Jericho. We remember these stories, and they've arrived to the Promised Land. And then we find this period that Israel is being ruled by judges. And, uh, but they keep asking for a king because everyone around them has, has king. And so God anoints Saul to be king, then David, and then 
his son Solomon. And at this time, all of Israel is kind of united under the king. And after Solomon, Israel is split into two kingdoms, the northern kingdom and the southern kingdom. And so this is where we find the worship of Baal that we talked about a few weeks ago. He comes into the mainstream of Jewish life. And during this time, there's a lot of bad kings that do a lot of dumb things. And a, a couple of weeks ago, last time we were here, we were in the book of Isaiah. And he was a prophet to the southern kingdom as well in Judah. And he, he warns the Judah uh, king at the time because Syria and Israel, the northern kingdoms, are uniting to come battle against Judah and take over. But what they didn't realize was this bigger empire, Assyria, was about to swallow them up. And so they get exiled to Assyria. Well, while this is happening, Babylon is rising as well. And they swallow up Assyria and all of that extra uh, space of Israel and Syria. And so um, that's where we find ourselves today, that now Babylon has conquered and they, they go after the southern kingdom of Judah. And they have three deep, uh, deportations, exiles of the people in Jerusalem to Babylon. And the first one, we see Daniel the prophet, which we're going to talk about next week, gets exiled. And then two more, the third exile, Babylon burns down Jerusalem and the, and the temple that Solomon had built. All hope looks lost for the Jewish people at this point. And we've seen this slow progression over hundreds of years of, of the Jewish people falling deeper and deeper into sin and into moral chaos. And so we find Jeremiah in this, in this moment in history, and he was a prophet to the southern kingdom of Judah. And prophets are not fortune tellers. They're not predictors of the future. They don't have a crystal ball. They're not playing with tarot cards. In fact, Scripture tells us to stay away from those things. They're not good. They're not of God. And so what a prophet is, they are forth-tellers, F-O-R-T-H, forward-tellers, people God chose to speak to his people to warn them that if their choices continue in this direction, then this would eventually happen. And there were plenty of fortune tellers, right? There's plenty of false prophets during this time that were telling the people that, hey, everything's fine. Don't listen to Jeremiah. Don't listen to Isaiah. Everything's great. Continue living as you are. You may be feeling like, that sounds like a lot like today, where our culture tells us one thing, and then we read a very different truth in Scripture. And we are caught at times in our lives trying to decide, do we listen to culture do we listen to Scripture? And just like we heard uh, two weeks ago with Isaiah, the people, they're, they're bending the truth or they're just changing truth altogether to what suits them best, whatever they desire truth to be. And God's law given to Moses was no longer the standard for the Jewish people. And so they find themselves exiled to a new land because of their sin. We may be thinking, they messed up again. I mean, will, will the Jewish people ever learn their lesson? But as we've seen over 
these, uh, these stories on Sunday mornings. This was a slow erosion over generations that got, uh, that got uh, a slow erosion away from the covenant that God gave them on the Mount Sinai. And some kings during this time, they were good. But most of them, they were not good. They allowed the worship of Baal, which was this god of the Canaanites and uh, people around them. And they would even bring Baal idols into the temple that Solomon had built for God. And at the end of this time, right before Jeremiah, they were even performing child sacrifices. And so God's just fed up, right? He hands Judah over to the Babylonian Empire to end it. It reminds me, how many of y'all have gone to the beach this summer? Anybody? Yeah. Who's going to the beach this summer? Yeah. So, you know, you got your your beach chair, you're setting it up, you're putting your umbrella into the sand, and you're throwing your towel down, and you go into the ocean, and you're, you're floating out there, right? And you realize, you know, you're out there for 45 minutes, you're listening to the sounds of the oceans, kids playing, you know, an hour, hour and a half goes by, and then you make your way back to the, to the shoreline. And you realize, where's my chair? And you realize it's, it's, you've drifted 100, 150 yards down the shoreline. And that's where we find the Jewish people this morning. They've drifted so far down the shoreline that they don't know what truth is any longer. They've lost sight of the law. Uh, there were two pe- groups of people uh, in Jerusalem. One during this exile. So one was exiled off to Babylon. The other got to stay. And they thought they were the winners. They thought they made it. They, they weren't the, the bad ones, but they were wrong. Instead, God exiled a remnant that kept the line of David in place. Because remember, God had promised that the Messiah would come through the line of David. And so this is God keeping his promise that he would deliver a new covenant through this line and actually through this remnant. It's so cool. And so we're going to pick up the story in Jeremiah 29. So if you have your Bibles, you can turn to it. So if you open it up to Psalms, it's just to the right, past um, Song of Songs and Isaiah, and then you're going to come to the book of Jeremiah. Well, also, I have it on the screen. Before we read that, I, uh, I did my own translation, a Texas edition translation of Jeremiah 29, 11. And so I think this gives us a bit better picture of what God was trying to say in this, in this passage. Because he's not talking to a specific you, to a specific person, but he's talking to this whole remnant as a whole. And so... For I know the plans I have for y'all, plans to prosper y'all, not to harm y'all, plans to give y'all a hope and a future. I hope that helps us kind of give us a better picture of what's going on as Texans, right? And so if you have your Bibles, we'll start in verse 1 of chapter 29. This is the text of the letter that the prophet Jeremiah sent from Jerusalem to the surviving elders among the exiles and to the priest, the prophets, and all the other people Nebuchadnezzar had carried into exile from Jerusalem 
to Babylon. So if we skip down to verse 4, this is what the Lord Almighty, the God of Israel, says to all those I carried into exile from Jerusalem to Babylon. Build houses, settle down, plant gardens, and eat what they produce. Marry and have sons and daughters. Find wives for your sons and give your daughters in marriage so that they too may have sons and daughters. Increase the number there. Do not decrease. And also seek the peace and prosperity of the city to which I have carried you into exile. Pray to the Lord for it, because if it prospers, you too will prosper. Yes, this is what the Lord Almighty, the God of Israel, says. Do not let the prophets and diviners among you deceive you. Do not listen to the dreams you encourage them to have. They are prophesying lies to you in my name, and I have not sent them, declares the Lord. This is what the Lord says, when 70 years are completed for Babylon, I will come to you and fulfill my good promise to bring you back to this place. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you, not to harm you, plans to give you hope and a future. Then you will call on me and come and pray to me, and I will listen to you. You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. And I will be found by you, declares the Lord, and will bring you back from captivity. And I will gather you from all the nations and places where I have banished you, declares the Lord, and will bring you back to the place from which I carried you into exile. And so God's saying, hey, good news. You will get to go back to Jerusalem one day. Bad news, you're going to have to wait 70 years. I'm sure some of them are thinking, oh, that's awesome. We can do 70 years. Wait a second. I'm 60 years old, 70. I'm not going back to Jerusalem. I'm dying where I am. But my kids and my kids' kids, they're going to get to go back. And so there is good news. There is hope on the horizon. But until that happens, they would need to plant their lives in this new city. And there's a tension here that we as Christians, we all can feel and relate to with the Jewish people in Babylon. You're saying, well, I don't live in Babylon. True, I mean, Babylon was a real place. It even dates back to Genesis, where we see the Tower of Babel. And that, you remember that story? They erect this huge tower trying to reach the heavens and they're trying to tell everyone how great they are how smart they are how strong they are they're like gods it's the beginnings of what we as people like to call empires right big nations that want to conquer people and we see this thread of babylon throughout scripture we would see um, scripture uses some of these places and they would become Egypt, Assyria, Babylon. Later, it would be Rome, would be the big empire of the day. And all these that fall into this category, they have a thirst for power, for money, to conquer, to subjugate its people. And you see, even the best nations and the best cultures in our, in our world, they fall into these temptations. I mean, we live in a culture, a figurative Babylon, if you will, that informs our ways of life. I mean, sometimes it's under the surface, right? We don't really feel those things, but they're there. 
Sometimes it's very much in our face. And usually culture goes against scripture. And so God is telling the Jewish people that they are being exiled and need to live a certain way inside of Babylon. To live in this uncomfortable tension inside of a nation that does not follow God. And for the Jews, they naturally see two ways to go to live in Babylon. They can either fight against culture and everything Babylon stands for, or they can submit to it and be part of their lives, right? Go about living like a Babylonian, worshiping their gods, eating their food, living the same way. But Jeremiah here, he's saying there's a third way to live inside the tension. It's to live amongst it as followers of God. After Jesus came, Peter writes in 1 Peter, he says, Dear friends, I urge you as foreigners and exiles, just like Jeremiah, it sounds a lot like it, to abstain from sinful desires which wage war against your soul. Live such good lives among the pagans that though they accuse you of doing wrong, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day he visits. Peter writes to the church, he writes to us today in the same vein that Jeremiah writes to the Jewish people, the remnant, to live inside this tension amongst the culture as followers of God. You see, we are foreigners and exiles Because as followers of God, this world is not our home. Our home is in heaven with God in eternity one day. But until that time comes, how do we go about living in this tension that we all feel? We see three ways to live among culture as followers of God that Jeremiah and Peter echoes. In verse 5 and 6, Jeremiah talks about this. He says, build houses, settle down, plant gardens, eat what they produce, marry and have sons and daughters, find wives for your sons, give your daughters in marriage so that, that they too may have sons and daughters. Increase the number there and do not decrease. He says, make a home, get a job, live life as you would, be the best employee, be the best boss, be the best business owner, get married, raise your kids, point them to Christ, live Life as you would where God has placed you. And live it in a way that points people to Christ, to to God. Because we can live life and we can lose the point of life. Just like the Jewish people lost sight of the law, we can lose sight of Scripture. But he's saying live life that points people to Christ. So live life as you would. The second thing he tells us is seek peace and prosperity for the city you live in. In verse 7, he says, Also seek the peace and prosperity of the city to which I have carried you into exile. Pray to the Lord for it, because if it prospers, you too will prosper. Yes, this is what the Lord Almighty, the God of Israel, says. Do not let the prophets and diviners among you deceive you. Do not listen to the dreams you, dreams you encourage them to have. They are prophesying lies to you in my name. I have not sent them, declares the Lord. He says, as your community thrives, we thrive. So we should contribute to our community, even when we don't agree with everything that it does. 
Babylon was an empire that wanted more and more power. There are stories in the Old Testament of things their culture would do that would make you cringe. God is not saying to agree with everything that culture promotes, but in fact, be different. Jesus tells us to be salt and light, be a good influence, be a good citizen while you live here. And this may look like running for city council or running for the school board, but if we drill down even deeper on on this, it also looks like coaching Little League, volunteering at your kid's school, volunteering at Mission Arlington, at your church, spend time with people around you, even further down, I mean, have your neighbor over for dinner. Be a good friend. Care for the people around us. All these are seeking the peace and prosperity of our communities. And the second part of this community is, he says, don't listen to the false prophets, the fortune tellers, the cultures, the culture. He says, stay focused on the truth, on scripture. Because a lot of times, I'm guilty of it, you know, you're browsing, you know, you're scrolling through social media and you think, man, that, that sounds like a good, good advice. I should probably follow it, but is it? Because culture and scripture look different. And we have to stop and we have to run that through the grid of scripture to remind us, oh no, this is what truth is. That was just a variant, but this is the truth. And the third thing Jeremiah and Peter talk about is to look to our future hope made possible through Christ. Jeremiah 29, 11 points us to a new covenant that's coming that would be fulfilled in Christ Jesus. And you and I, the good news is we get to live inside of that covenant. And Jeremiah writes about the new covenant in chapter 31. And so if you flip over a couple pages, chapter 31, verse 31. He says, the days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the people of Israel, with the people of Judah. It will not be like the covenant I made with their ancestors when I took them by the hand to lead them out of Egypt, because they broke my covenant, and though I was a husband to them, declares the Lord, this is the covenant I will make with the people of Israel after that time. I will put my law in their minds and write it on their hearts, and I will be their God, and they will be my people. No longer will they teach their neighbor or say to one another, another, know the Lord, because they will all know me, from the least of them to the greatest. And Jeremiah 31 is talking about is the, is the covenant that God would write his word on our hearts and our minds. Jesus Christ would come to earth and live the perfect life and that we cannot live, die the death that we all deserve, and then he would give us the Holy Spirit to live inside us, remind us of God's word on our hearts and our minds. This is Jeremiah, 600 years before Christ. Amazing that Jesus was going to be and is the living word in our hearts and our minds. Jeremiah's words showed why he had great reason to hope in what was yet to come. 
when he said here in chapter 31, the days are coming. Jeremiah was pointing toward a time when the old ways of the past were going to be replaced with a greater one that better reflected God's close personal relationship with his people. He looked forward to a time when everyone will know the Lord from the least to the greatest. And that reminds me, and I'm sure it reminds you of the New Testament of Jesus coming to the earth to bring salvation to everyone, both the least and the greatest. And in doing so, he, Jesus, was fulfilling this new covenant that Jeremiah talks about between mankind and God that allows believers to know God, to have his law written on our hearts and our minds. So as we take a moment to reflect on how all this affects us, right? This Old Testament story of this Jewish remnant that Jeremiah is talking about. How are we doing this? How are we living in this tension of being among the culture as followers of Christ? Because that's hard, right? So I just wanted you to take a moment. Just think about that. Are, are you living, am I living as we would, pointing people to Christ? Right? Are we seeking the peace and the prosperity for our city? Am, am I loving the people around me, pointing them to Christ? And most importantly, are we keeping our eyes fixed on our, our future hope made possible through Christ? Just take a moment. Just think about where, that, where you are living in that tension. It's uncomfortable at times of being among the culture as a follower of Christ. So we see Jeremiah 29, 11 is not about our personal goals or our hopes or our dreams. But the good news, guys, it's about so, something so much greater. It's about looking forward to Jesus coming for all of us. That one day, Jesus would enter into a humble manger. Live the life that we could not live. Die the death that we all deserve. And invite us in to a personal relationship with him. And it tells us that this world is not our home. And one day we will not be in exile any longer for those of us that place their hope and their trust in Jesus. We will find our home in Christ Jesus.